Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I'm also a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, aspiring boxer. So. And this is John Mike. I teach, I coach, I do online things, and um, I could definitely demolish, hey, man, food, pancakes, eggs, bacon, you know the drill. Oh. Yeah, I wiped out a couple of big plates of eggs this morning. Eggs nice. and cheese and mushrooms and stuff okay we've got tons of news everybody and uh, a thematic uh, show for sure because the news that phil is gonna i think break with it meshes with some of the studies that i've been stumbling upon this past week believe it or not and then we'll bleed into the topic of the day which is essentially how to be a meathead so if you're interested, if you're wondering if you're a meathead or how you might become more so, <laughs> we're going to take some of this more serious stuff. But, um, you know, because there's certain characteristics and stereotypes and, uh, I don't know, we'll try to teach you how to be even worse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, Phil, what's going on with the IPF? Strength and Muscle Sport News. Oh, so, well, an IPF, which leads down to, of course, the USAPL, um, which is the North American version. Um, I'll just read their little deal they put out. So the IPF has been notified that Mr. Ed Cohn will be giving a series of powerlifting seminars in Sweden. As everyone knows, Mr. Cohn is a lifetime suspended athlete. It is not permissible for any IPF lifter, coach, referee, or official to participate in one of these training seminars as it contravenes the IPF anti-doping rules. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Pretty much, and I've said this, you know, we've got the big, long thing going on on our listeners page about, you know, most people are, you know, on the side that I am, and a few that aren't. This has nothing to do with drugs to me. I think the IPF should be drug tested, as I do the Olympics. It has everything to do with you're guilty by association. If I'm in the same room <laughs> with somebody who did drugs, now I, 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 I'm more than you know, innocent or guilty until proven innocent. I don't even have a chance to prove myself right. innocent. Especially once you know. upon a time used. Yeah, in right? 1996, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, I don't even get a chance to prove that I'm clean. I don't get a chance to take a test. You know, I could see, fine, if you go to this, next time you lift, you have to test. Fine. It, it's yeah. no, you don't even get a chance. You're just suspended. <laughs> you know, that's just utter bullshit. Well, you know, the problem, one of the problems at least I see with that is that, if you can't associate with someone who's ever used anything, you could actually, and you could be clean yourself, like you're saying, but mm-hmm. you could be forcing yourself not to benefit from some of the knowledge that some of these guys might have. Yeah, you, so you know that, what I'm I saying? Mean, it's just pretty much saying they that were everything great. Ed Cohn ever did was was due to the, the, the you know, the drugs he did. Yeah, he, he has nothing to teach you, nothing at all. You know? It's a shame. It's a loss of and, some valuable, you know, teaching. Yeah, and one of the funnier ones, Josh. <laughs> Josh Montgomery wrote the IPF, and 
He went to their page and wrote him and said, Ed Cohn came to my city, and I was at church while he taught a seminar next door. Does this mean I'm unable to compete in an IPF event? <laughs> and they answered him. But uh, Yeah, how far does this reach, right, uh, Yeah, with the association? Like, Come on, man. Uh, oh, yeah, if man. I'm in the general vicinity of somebody who may have once used, I'm just banned. And it, it's just... Uh, Where's your evidence at, buddy? And, and it doesn't affect a lot of people. Fine. And that's one of the things with powerlifting the multiple federations is a good thing. Well, fine. They can go. But they're just, in my opinion, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot. You know, they're going to piss off a lot of people. I mean, there's not many power lifters out there that are more famous than Ed Cohn. Yeah. And you've just banned everybody from going to see him. You know what? To me, I, I know analogies are sketchy, right? And people can always find fault, but it's almost like saying Michael Jordan once smoked marijuana back in the nineties and we don't condone that, so it, you know you can't learn from him. Stay yeah. away from well, him. Yeah. Well, Michael Phelps was the same way. Like he, or I Phelps. Mean, he was, yeah. yeah, it's like, but he's still swimming. In fact, he's probably going to be swimming in the summer's Olympics, and mm-hmm. nobody, nobody cares. And I don't understand. You know, I, I, I don't really understand the argument on this type of, you know, issue. It's like we only want to kind of uh, you know, demonize certain people, but yet there's others that do. Okay much worse or even something similar and and nobody you know it, it's like nobody cares um, yes. so it, it's 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 kind of it's it's hypocrisy but it's um trying for organizations or whatever to you know make an example of somebody mainly because they're they're very well known mm-hmm. it's a very similar situation yeah. when you know wada wanted to go after like lance armstrong it's yeah. like he was almost like targeted but yet you know how many other people are, are, are really doing it? it's just like it's it's um you know it's a uh, it's hard to explain you know for people on the outside because you know most people on the outside have a sort of like a myopic vision of kind of what's really going on. So. Yeah, no doubt. No well, doubt. Well, my other issue is if if the right amount of money crossed the right hands, this wouldn't even be an issue. You know, sadly, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's happened time and time again with water. I mean, how many times have? Russian lifters been popped, and hey, the Russian team's still lifting, you know. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's to me that's almost like the too big to fail. You know how we bail out the banks. I mean, yeah. not having Russia in the Olympic Games, especially in power sports, it's kind of like the too big to fail. Like we can't afford yeah. to ban them for real. I don't yes. know. Maybe maybe that's naive of me, but that's what it seems like. Yeah. So. Um, and you know what? I mean, uh, people can take this any way they want, but regardless of my current or even past natural status i have learned an awful lot from people who i am almost sure were anabolic (laughs) steroid users (laughs) well and the other thing is it's it down to people who have been caught yes so literally like anybody could go to a west side seminar and learn from louis and all of his people because they've never competed in in ipf and never been popped for drug use even though they are blatantly on open even open about it yeah. But what about CrossFit competitors? For Christ's sake, it's like if you get caught, like you're labeled, yeah. like almost for life. You know. You know, and that's funny too because we've talked on the show before. Some of the, I've seen some of the female competitors. Like when you have traps that look like apples under your skin, you know, uh, that's not a natural state of being. Well, you know? and with them, it's even worse because there has been no CrossFit athlete who has been caught by CrossFit. Of the only ones. Because they don't test. The exactly. only ones that have been popped, they, they went to another event, and then CrossFit imparts a, a ruling. 
You know, it's like they don't want to bust them. It's like that's so right. all they have to do is be smart enough not to go live somewhere where you get tested and you're fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, you're always squeaky but, yeah, clean. I mean, you can, you know, they could go literally like these IPF lifters could go do a seminar with, you know, Phil Heath and they'd be fine. <laughs> you know, because he's never done yeah. anything anywhere where you get tested. You know, it's true. You it's know. the definition, right? Yeah. This well, it's for same thing for strongman competitors. I mean, they don't really test. I mean, and if they do, like, it's almost a very small scale. And people need to keep in mind, like, when you test, that shit costs money. It's not like it's twenty five dollars, yeah. you know, for a test or something. Like, when you have a lot of competitors, it can run up to the thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, strongman. I mean, they don't test. I mean, it, it, it's like. I don't see people going to Congress, you know, in, in, in front of committee hearing for strongman competitors. I mean, it's called world's weakest man, for Christ's sake. I mean, it's not called world's weakest man. <laughs> wow. So, <you laughs> okay. I mean, no, there's no doubt. Well, let me continue to maybe piss off some people. Um, this is <laughs> yeah, where... We're going off on tangents here. <laughs> yeah. This is... Um, I have actually four papers here. The first one is a 2015 study, and I just sort of, you know, following related links. And so it, this ended up being four studies, a little almost mini review. I'll try to cut to the chase in each one so I don't bore everybody. But um, essentially, if you go to the National Library of Medicine, if you go to PubMed and you start digging around and you type in powerlifter characteristics or bodybuilder characteristics or behaviors, what you get is so heavily focused on abnormalities and steroid abuse, you know, and it's like there's so much rich literature that you could find on powerlifting and bodybuilding that shouldn't have to always focus on that stuff, you know. But so let me go through a couple of these things. And in fact, some of these papers are Swedish and they're from the same guy. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll see researchers just like maybe uh, WADA officials or whatever, and they kind of make a personal vendetta out of something, you know, and Anyway, let me just read you a few of these things, and listeners, you can agree or disagree, but this first one's from Journal of Pharmacy Practice by Ip and colleagues. It's Characteristics and Behaviors of Older Male Anabolic Steroid Users. Now, remember, I did not look for anabolic steroid users in my search, but this is what I get. It says they wanted to compare and contrast two groups of men over 40 um, users and non-users. So they had 67 male anabolic users and 76 non-users that were over 40. This is uh, what their statistics suggest. The majority of uh, anabolic steroid users over 40 were Caucasian, 93%, heterosexual, 97%, and classified themselves as recreational exercisers. 79%. And I think that kind of jives with what Rick Collins is always saying. You know, a lot of um, androgen use is is more recreational than competitive, per se. Um, Here we go. Now, this is where it makes me wonder, and people can agree or disagree, but it says users were uh, much more likely to binge drink, 48% versus 29% for the non-users. They were more likely to report heavy alcohol use, 21% versus 8%. And meet the criteria for substance dependence disorder and to report anxiety disorder diagnoses. 12% of the users were diagnosed anxious disorder versus only 2.6% of the non-users. So their conclusions were the anabolic steroid misuse is prevalent among older men, is associated with polypharmacy, aggressive alcohol use, and higher incidence of other substance abuse and anxiety 
disorders, again, compared to non-users. So I don't know. As we start to march through a couple of these papers, um, I actually asked my wife to chime in on this, right, because she's the only one in the house really (laughs) qualified to talk about some of these behavioral things. But I don't know. I start feeling like do they – do they think that everybody who lifts weights seriously is a steroid-abusing, anxious, suicidal alcoholic, you know? I don't know. Yeah, like you're going to go buy a 12-gauge and blow everybody away. Well, I, I'm telling you. Now, now this, <laughs> these next two are from a Swedish researcher named Linkfist. Uh, this is the first one, Scandinavian Journal of Medsci Sports. This is a 2014 uh, paper, but it's called Increased Mortality Rate and suicide in Swedish former elite power sport athletes. Okay. Um, it says physical training has been shown to reduce mortality in normal subjects uh, and uh, to lead to a healthier lifestyle, again, in normal subjects. But it says since the 1950s, the use of anabolic androgenic steroids has been frequent, uh, especially in power sports. So they looked at Swedish male elite power athletes between 1960 and 1979. Now, this paper was just published not that long ago. Uh, they consider power sports wrestling, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and throwing events. Here's, uh, their results indicate that uh, between 20 to 50 years of age, uh, there was an excess death right, or mortality of around 45% in the users. Uh, it says, however, when you look at the total studied period and not just that age range, mortality was not increased. It says mortality from suicide with the elite power athletes was two to four times higher uh, during the age period of 30 to 50 years old compared with the gen pop. Really? Uh, however, it says mortality rate from malignancy, right, from cancers was lower among the elite power athletes. Anyway, so I don't know. Um, two to four times more suicide? I don't know. I, I, that's I that's hard totally for me to get my head around. Unless, I totally disagree with that. Unless it's, we're talking about former athletes that, have lost their identity, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, So here's another paper from Linkfist. And again, I told you I would shotgun these here. British Journal of Sports Med 2013 paper. Uh, it's the same data set. There's 683 power sport athletes that this Linkfist and colleagues looked at. This is called a retrospective 30-year follow-up study of former Swedish elite male athletes in power sports with past anabolic androgenic steroid use, a focus on mental health. So here's what they reported in this paper. It says this study aims to investigate previous anabolic steroid use and their effects on mental health. Um, They looked at the Swedish top 10 national rankings uh, across these different power sports, again, including Olympic lifts, powerlifting, throwing um, results. At least 20% of the former athletes admitted to previous anabolic androgenic steroid use. Um, They had more often sought professional expertise for mental health problems. They had more often used illicit drugs compared to non-users. It says the anabolic steroid users also differed in former sport activity pattern compared to the non-users. Now, I'm thinking maybe this is more along the lines of enjoying individual performance sports instead of team sports. But, you know, who knows? Um, They differed in their prior sport says, conclusion, it is clear that a relationship exists between anabolic steroids and mental health problems. Um, so that's, again... What kind of mental health problems? I mean... Uh, well, apparently, um, anxiety, alcoholism, um, you know, suicidal tendencies. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, it's... it's um, 
I mean, I know I, you know, we all we've all seen like you know bigger, faster, stronger, but I mean, nonetheless, I mean, if you look at some of this, if you look at the the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, their position stand on um, you know growth hormone and anabolic androgenic um, steroids, and then the last updated position stand, I believe, was um, from 2011, um, 2010, 2011. But even still, I mean, we don't really hear about people that are taking anabolics just by themselves and having suicidal um, and, and mental types of tendencies. Um, it's typically combined with other, you know, recreational types of drugs. I mean, it could be, you know, I mean, alcohol in, in excess, you know, uppers or downers or, you know, antidepressants or things of that nature. And and typically, I've, I've never heard of people having um, mental issues, suicidal tendencies that are that are just take performance enhancing drugs. I mean, they're not there's and it kind of goes back to what we've talked about before with the whole like void age, you know, thing. I don't, you know, I don't really believe in that. And I mean, and I'm sure there's some to maybe that that's correlated with it, but I'd be willing to bet that the correlation in and of itself is relatively low. Yeah, it's not causal. Um, What? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would. I mean, I got two things that are pretty interesting. I'd, I'd take it even further. I mean, I would say most likely in those cases, the mental instability in place. Right. Yeah. And these were not athletes and probably recreational users that are they're searching for something. You know, they're the same people that are freaking, uh, you know, doing other drugs because something's missing in their in their life and they're trying to fill that void. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're already on alcohol. They're already on painkillers. They're already taking whatever other recreational drug. And, of course, now they're also taking this. And I don't see this in high-level athletes. Yeah. I don't know many high-level athletes that are binge drinkers. You know, they're usually taking this to you know, do better at their sport. Well, that's what's interesting you know? about that. The link, this, those two studies, those yeah. Swedish studies, where he, was, he says those are the top ten you know, elite lists. Yeah, but, you know. okay, let's link this then to – because I started searching up Sweden once you start talking about that, and basically their huge crackdown on steroids. Yes, right. Muscle yes. profiling is now accepted in Sweden. Profiling, I remember that. Where they yep. can basically you can they can pull somebody aside and question them just on their appearance, and I mean it's went so far there've been dozens of cases from it, and even one judge came out um, in Sweden and, and chastised the police for arresting a, a bodybuilder because they had no sportive evidence. The judge said that big muscles alone were grounds for an arrest and at the same time they're able to do that and pull arrest them and then question them that fact just right. by appearance that's alone. such a slippery slope i mean that, that could yeah, lead toward yeah, all kinds of discrimination you know yeah. i mean color doesn't that, size yeah, doesn't that violate yeah doesn't that have discrimination violations and all yeah. that stuff? so yep let me share one more before we go to break here um this is interesting. This is goes back to 2012, but it was interesting enough I pulled it. Um, qualitative health research, uh, Smith and Stewart are the authors. It's called Body Perceptions and Health Behaviors in an Online Bodybuilding Community. So this really piqued my interest because I immediately think, who is this? You know, is this the is this bodybuilding.com? Is it the T Nation forums? I mean, this is 2012 paper. Uh, my God, this could be our own <laughs> Facebook page for all I know. So researchers took a close look online. It says, uh, in this article, we explore the social constructs, body perceptions, and health experiences of serious recreational and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter community. Uh, the data were obtained from a discussion forum 
Forum postings for a period of 36 months were transposed using a, a certain coding approach. So it's just one of the ways that they do qualitative research. They try to code you into categories and that sort of thing uh, and then analyze it. Our results expose, and I think that's an interesting verb to use, but our results expose an extreme social reality held by devoted muscle-building community with a fanatical obsession with muscular hypertrophy and any accoutrement helpful in its acquisition, whether it's nutrition, supplements, training regimes, or anabolic androgenic substances. Uh, Few health costs were considered too severe in this muscular meritocracy. Uh, where the strong uh, command deference and the massive dominate uh, the social field. So, <laughs> it, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> it, just, it almost reads, well, it certainly doesn't read like a very dry, objective piece of research. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's almost, this almost sounds like more like a qualitative, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, journalism, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know. So they looked at a forum... words like meritocracy are very interesting to me or you know how the strong and the massive dominate there is let's face it there is some of that online with that uh i mean you got to call a spade a spade there is that alpha male mentality where a lot of young people especially i think are vulnerable that if you're bigger than me i'm going to listen to you yes and people just get in line behind some goobers sometimes i mean that's been around for decades i mean and and it Oh, always, probably. All, yeah, I mean, we we all agree. It, it has some truth to it. It has some merit to it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's only going to go so far. I mean, you know, if Phil's got this massive deadlift and I'm 21 years old and I see him, of course I'm going to be intrigued to go up and ask him questions because mm-hmm. I want to learn. But, you know, Phil can't do it for me. There, there comes a point in time where you have to just continue to learn and self-educate mm-hmm. and, and read. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's accountability and responsibility to the person themselves yeah like know? what are they saying not just how do they look but yeah can they tell you why they're doing this or you know is there yeah. logic behind what they're doing you should still not be gullible and credulous you know you need to go in that with some fairly high standards but beyond the just problem. the guy is yeah, huge but that's the problem though like they're 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 they are gullible they are you know they 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 just take it at face value oh okay and it's very similar approach to a lot of students, you know, that, that I've been around and, and have taught or just in the higher levels of education, they just kind of go through their degree. It's like, oh, well, I guess this is what I'm learning in class. This is all that I need to know. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. You need to go several levels higher if you want to continue to be successful. Especially mm-hmm. with skill acquisition, which is essentially exactly. never-ending, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lifelong learners. Yeah. You know what? Let me be super dry with this. Um, this is something Carl Sagan used to say, but he says human beings are evolved from apes, and thus we are prone to dominance hierarchies. And I kind of <laughs> see that here, right? People oh, yeah. are prone to dominance hierarchies. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just an interesting quote, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that does explain that alpha male kind of um, behavior, especially with younger people. I'm not saying that if you're middle-aged, you're immune to it, but... Uh, we've all been around the block enough. You get jaded enough that just because somebody's big, you know, you know listen, I mm-hmm. admire certain qualities, but I'm not automatically going to listen to what he has to say. But he could yeah, have great things to say, too. Also, so you can't be too judgmental. You know? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, over time you gain a certain amount of, you know, maturity and experience. And, and I think a lot of people have a tendency to look at people that are just big and say, gosh, they're big. They must be strong. But. You know, big, big ain't strong always, mm-hmm. you know, strong yeah. is strong. I mean, there's some Chinese lifters that'll kick my ass, mm-hmm. you know, right. in, in, in certain sports. So, well, it depends what you value. Some, 
you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just because like you're big, I've seen football players that are big that are don't perform very well mm-hmm. in the way field, you know. So uh, it's all it's all perspective, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes from experience um, and just being around. And that's the thing. It's and I'm and I'm sure we'll get to this here momentarily, but uh, you know, and and everyone, and I know we all have heard this and been told this ourselves. Well, gosh, you know, you're big, you're huge, and I'm like, well, thanks. But uh, you, I mean, people have this myopic vision of what big is because they, they don't have a frame of reference. They've never been around anybody, big people that are just really big. Like when mm-hmm. I think of really big people, you know, like big Zajunas Savickas and like Brian Shaw. Right, mm-hmm. it's relative. Hathor right. Bjornsson. I mean, those guys are just big, mm-hmm. you know, big yeah. and strong. Not, not your stupid fucking buddy at the gym who's 220 and 5'10". Right, you know, and has managed to get like eighteen and a half inch arms or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah. It, there's no doubt. Well, and I think it's also true with the powerlifting stuff. You know, somebody sees someone with a big lift, and they automatically, you know, they want to follow this guy's website and stuff. And he mm-hmm. he may or may not. And I think that's the important thing, right? You have to look beyond it. We were just talking about not profiling. Profiling. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have great things to say. He may have really nothing to say. There are a couple of really amazing power lifters that I've spoken to, and I'm like, you have nothing to offer. You know, mm-hmm. if everything is just more, you, know, you got to want it more. You know, it's like, are you, I just want a little more thought into the programming or the why. You know, yeah. maybe that's my own bias looking for something mechanistic, but that's not enough in itself because, you you know, yeah. some people more or less win the genetic lottery in one way or the other. Or, yes, mm-hmm. in fact, they use a lot of anabolic steroids. They don't know. They just take an awful lot and they really don't know much else. And you can get pretty frickin' strong, you know, just like you can get pretty frickin' big um, stumbling forward and not really understanding what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, I don't know. It's like I said, you just have to look deeper than that because some of those guys, I mean, look at someone like Eddie Cohn. When Ed talks, I listen, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, same thing with Dave Tate. I, I, could, I could hear him listening to him talk like for days, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you uh, can't look at him, as, you know, so you can't judge either way. You can't judge them. You can't just fall in line like they're dominant and you're submissive, you know, because they're, they have maybe they've got big lifts or, you know, big backs or whatever it is. But at the same time, you can't just dismiss them. Oh, they're clearly a user, and that's all they're about. That's yeah. not true either. I don't know. People just, they're so superficial, what you know about this stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's go to break. When we come back, um, I'm going to start with the definition of meathead, and then maybe we can all chime in um, about, you know, becoming a meathead. If listeners, you maybe you could think of it this way. You know, you might be a meathead if. Um, but we'll give you some tips on what we think uh, constitutes meatheadism. Mm-hmm. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety 
uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Weekly Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, folks, we're back. Uh, this is Lonnie, and we've got John and Phil, and we're going to have a little discussion about um, meatheads. We've touched on this issue before a little bit, uh, so we thought we'll um, basically teach you how to be a meathead. So if you're curious or you ever wanted to be a meathead, <laughs> then, then we're going to help you today. I'm going to start with this definition, actually a few. One of them is from Google. And I think this is interesting, this very gen-pop definition of meathead. It simply says, a stupid person, okay? The Urban Dictionary, however, tries to be a little more cool about this. It says, an enormously muscular guy who cannot hold a conversation about anything other than weightlifting or protein shakes. Mm. <laughs> uh, Merriman-Webster actually gives an example of meathead, and it says... Quote, her brother's a real meathead, only handy to have around if there's any heavy lifting to be done. <laughs> so now meathead for um, the bodybuilding and powerlifting culture, I think it, it entails a whole list of characteristics, right? I mean, if you, again, if you were to look at those studies that we were just looking at um, <clears throat> or some of the people who might have a little bit of vendetta maybe against um, meatheads, you'd think that we were all, you know, suicidal, alcoholic, anxious, you know, uh, recreational drug users. And I don't think that's always the case. I think there's a lot more to it than that. So uh, there's plenty of advice to be given, and I think there's flavors of meathead, right? I think the bodybuilding flavor of meathead has some similarities with the powerlifter meathead, um, and yet there are definitely some differences too, at least that I can see. Um, so I'll start off with one recommendation. I would suggest uh, that if you want to be a meathead, 
eat copious quantities of food and brag about doing it. <laughs> I think I think that's going to fit whether you're a power lifter or a bodybuilder. That's going to put you uh, on the path to at least sounding pretty meaty uh, like a meathead. Uh, but let's just sort of do round table, round robin thing here. Phil, what about you? What advice would you give to an aspiring meathead? Uh, here's a good one. <clears throat> when somebody asks you what day it is, you don't say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You say what exercise you're doing that day. Right. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, leg day. It's you know yeah. squat day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of that one. That's really good, John. What about you? What, what piece of advice? Um, I, I think if you if you want to be a meathead, I think one of the, the questions that you're going to have to accept lifelong questions is how much you bitch. Um, or people say, well, do you do you lift? Or, or you know, when was the last time you were at the gym? What time? <laughs> Recently, one time I said, well, when was the last time you worked out? I said, oh, well, about an hour ago. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, like you'll get people to ask, like, hey, how, how, how much how much a bitch? Or, um, I've actually, when I was, like, bigger and a little less conditioned a long time ago, I was, uh, you know, I think I think you know if you're, you know, a powerlifter or a meathead, when you have to kind of roll off the bench um, yeah. sideways. Sort of like, <laughs> up, That's funny. Like, a, like in a sit-up position. Right. I've actually get up off the bench sideways and get on a half-kneeling position on the floor and then get up. There so. you go. You know, I'm going to suggest, and again, this is tongue-in-cheek, right? Because, I mean, there's a whole lot of funny things about uh, the meathead approach. And you know what? We've laughed about it before. We even have iTunes reviews where some people, I think, have cleverly noted that, you know, these guys sort of revel in the sort of meathead thing, but they laugh about it, you know, because it's really very funny when you think about it. You know, like Arnold used to say, best built man in the world. That's actually very funny, you know. Um, One of the things I'm going to suggest and this is going to, you know, I'm now uh, shots fired at the power lifters here, but I'd say um, grow a big beard. That's yeah. really important for your meatheadism. So um, you want to be a meathead power lifter, grow a big beard uh, at or least at least parts of the year. Bald. Oh, a bald. Have little hair. Yeah. yeah. Well, very little hair on your head and hair everywhere else. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's like as if it migrated south. You know, it all left the top of your head, and it's coming out your back. <laughs> yeah, too. I mean, and we all. I mean, I know I experienced this time, especially like when track, you know, getting into small cars. Like I like, I like, I like taking up a lot of space. So when people, uh, you know, ask me like, you know, what it is that I do, you know, I just kind of, you know, I say what I do, and I just make a joke and say, well, you know, I, I really like taking up a lot of space. Um, especially like on airplanes because I had to sit on the aisle and every time the freaking, you know, a snack cart, drink cart goes by, it always hits me in the back. Uh, so um, yeah. those are, I hate small cars. I have, to, I have to have a lot of room. So like I think, you know. Like, so what kind of car, John? What would you recommend? Oh, just like, I mean, just like you're just your average like car. Like I like SUVs. I like a lot of room. I like trucks. Um, well, I mean, I've gotten into a, like a kind of a similar to a small, a smart car before. You know, and I'm just like, really? Does it really look? I mean, I'd rather just like buy the car, rip the seats out, and use it as a as a yoke walk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, goof you know, like I actually thought about doing that sometime in the future, like actually buying a smart car and then you know taking some of the seats out or whatever, or just using it as for like a car deadlift apparatus. That's funny, uh, like the Flintstones. Just walk around, drive it around, but you're really walking, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I could just I, in heavy traffic, give it a standstill. I could just get out and just you know doing car deadlifts. <laughs> All right, Phil. What else do you have? Recommendations for a wannabe meathead? 
if you go shopping, when you come home to bring the groceries in, it's like a personal vendetta to carry every bag at one in one trip. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. You, you don't take more than one. Oh, I'm guilty. I'm yeah. guilty of that one. <clears throat> That's good. I would say that, uh, you know, when you go buy clothes, um, it's something that of, of, of an exper- always an experience because at least for me, like for me, I have a hell of a time buying like dress pants and jeans because they're either like really loose in the quad or tight in the ass or vice versa. But especially like with dress shirts, like I have to usually get like a half inch size or inch size bigger because I have a hard time buttoning like the very top button, especially if I ever like put on a tie, which you won't find me wearing ties at all unless it's like a really special occasion. And then when I do, like, I just can't wait to take it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So bitch, bitch about poor fitting clothes. That's going to help yeah. with the meathead, um, you know, um, outlook, I think. It's true, though. I mean, it's true. I'm not that heavily built anymore. But even for me, God dang it. You know, stuff pinches. Here I go. Right. Meathead. But pinches under my armpits. Like you, you buy something that's athletic fit and it says slimmer through the shoulders and chest. I'm like, mm. wait, what? It's like upside down. <laughs> It yeah. just it'll hack you off. It'll hack you off. Yeah. Like I said, there's not me being guilty of it. Uh, what else you got, when, Phil? Uh, when when someone compliments you, like, "Hey, man, you look great. You lost some weight." You automatically get dejected and like go eat something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say, like, like when like when you travel, because I do this, still do this. Um, of course, I you know pack clothes and stuff, but I always pack like maybe like an extra shirt or two like in my bag because. I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm in a lot better condition and, and shape now than I was like when I was younger because all I, what I did was younger was just live. I didn't do as much conditioning, but it's just like going to the airport and just, you know, walking and, and you're bound to sweat, right, and get your shirt soaked. So you need a change of clothes, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I think you need to take a couple of extra shirts, uh, you know with you um, you know, for, yeah. uh, for those types of occasions. I admit there have been times, so maybe you know, like times in my life where you're, you're, you're big enough and bloated enough. Like you got to hold your breath to lean over and tie your shoe. You're like, oh, yep. you know, or you walk around, you're sweating, you know, because you're just too heavy for your height, frankly, you know? So yeah, maybe that's some more advice you want to, if you want to, uh, you want to really be a meathead, totally value the bloat. You know, uh, like actually Rob used to talk about perma bulkers, you know, a lot of the guys that aren't serious about even lifting, uh, like competitively, that's always, that's, that's sort of the fallback. Well, I'm bulking. Well, you're always bulking anyway. Um, I'll tell you, uh, one of the things I would suggest for the meathead, uh, want to be meathead bodybuilder, walk around with a gallon jug of distilled water all the time. It really makes you look like you're just about to compete tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that with people that are like 175 pounds, and it's. I mean, I don't. I don't see a whole lot of. I mean, they. Well, people still do that, but uh, I don't see a lot of people, uh, like student wise, that do that. But I mean, there are still people every day that that do that. But I mean, like, I could see that if you're maybe like you know, 250 plus, you know, you know, in the 300, you know, range or three 300 over. But I mean, really, like you're once you're one, you're 175 pounds, and I know you can barely. You, Hello, two twenty-five. You really need to carry around like a gallon of water all the time. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Hydration's a, a positive behavior, and we probably have a lot of listeners who do that too. But you know, the, I'm talking about like if you really want to be that meathead and you want to advertise it, like you go to the Arnold Classic, the Arnold Weekend, you walk around. You know, you've got on some fake tan and you're carrying the distilled water as if you're going to compete when you're not. 
you know, it's it's sort of yeah, an intent thing there. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Right. Like that's, I mean, I'm not saying well, if you carry around a gallon of water, like you know, you're 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 silly. You just need to you know not lifting more. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm just, right. I'm talking in reference to what you just said. Yeah. All right, uh, Phil. What else? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like if somebody asks you a simple math question, you can't get it, but with a single glance at a bar, you know exactly what's on it. <laughs> bar math. <laughs> yeah, bar math is just instant. Yeah, get good yeah. at bar math. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a mathematician, but I can count by 45. Oh yeah, that's funny, right? Because how bizarre is that if you think about it? You're counting by 45 pound increments. You know, yeah. uh, that's that's funny. Carrying a cooler is a totally normal activity, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like the distilled yeah. water, but yeah. I know some bodybuilders. I know a few bodybuilders. You know, now of course, they, I mean, a lot of them still do it. You know, still wear around carrying fanny packs. Yeah. Oh man, I had a fanny pack back in the '80s and uh, early '90s, but eventually, I, no, it was a gift. That's my only excuse. But you know what? It, it, you're right. That was sort of that stuck with the bodybuilders for some reason. The, the clown pants and the fanny packs. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't see that uh, quite as much anymore, thankfully. I think now. Don't get me wrong. Because of physical size, I think that's why a lot of that caught on. If you're truly huge, well, frankly, you can't wear much else than clown pants, you know. And you know what I mean by that. I mean like the thin fabric. They're usually like they've got freaking um, st- stripes or uh, leopard spots or tiger stuff all over it. And you see people who they, they weren't big enough to justify it, and even they would do it, you know. Uh, and again, I'm not ripping. Anybody can wear loose-fitting clothes, you know, to the gym and stuff. But it's again, if you want to be a meathead, it's part of the package. It could be part of the package there. The uh, the thought of stepping under an obscenely heavy bar is just it brings you excitement, and you know, the thought of running a mile scares you more than like doing 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. <laughs> you, know, you don't think twice about having stepping under a heavy bar, but it's like, oh god, I got to run a mile. Yeah, it's, and it's not going to happen. That's that's funny. I actually was stricken with panic. And again, it's a little bit of that meathead flavor that I still have. You know, I'm again being a little bit older. I, I'm more of an exerciser than a competitor right now. But uh, somebody asked me to go for a run with them. They said, in fact, they said we really want to get ready for a 5K. This is some people at work, and I was horror stricken. Mm-hmm. I thought, Jesus, that's like th- over th- just over three miles. There's no no way. Yeah, yeah. And I much I rather know. I much rather yeah. be presented with a weight that I could barely lift. Well, really, it's like, I mean, you're, and I can see you're, in a, you know, most runners, of course, are not 250 plus, but it's just like, you really are, you're going to ask me if I want to go, like, do a 10K or run a 10K. Like, I actually ran a 10K once, and this was in 2001, and I was probably about 90 pounds lighter than I am now. So I probably didn't really have much of a problem, you know, then. But, like, really, like, you're going to ask me if I'm going to go, like, you know, walk a 5K just like, just out of the blue or running 10k does it really look like i'm gonna do a 10k i mean come mm-hmm. on really it's, it's just yeah. like I, I don't understand the the people's thought mentality of just like well you know you need to and that's the thing about being like big and strong you're not gonna be normal you know and do what normal people do mm-hmm. i mean it's just you're not gonna you're not gonna go you know, ride a bicycle for, for, you know, 10, 15 plus miles. Well, there's, right. There's some truth behind it. Yeah, there is. You know, there is some truth behind it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to be very accepting of that. And they think, well, gosh, you're big and strong. I mean, you can't even walk up like a a, a big flight of stairs without taking a 20 minute break. You know, Mm. it's funny too. I mean, that'd be one, right? I mean, if you want to really look like one, pause at the top of flight of stairs, grab your knees and breathe a little. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know what? Yeah. Again, it's mimicking guys that are so big. Sometimes I'll tell people that too, right? It's specificity. And if you get really strong, if you get really massive, I tell a lot of like average size uh, like kids in my strength conditioning class, I'm like, let me put an 80-pound backpack on you. Yeah. And walk you up five flights of stairs because that's what you're talking about. These guys are 80 pounds bigger than the Gen Pop guy, mm-hmm. you know, and they just did a hell of a lot more work. So, yeah, they might not be aerobically conditioned, yeah. um, but they're also being asked to do something that's incredibly demanding, yeah. you know. You uh, you instinctively employ the Valsalva maneuver for everything, even tying your shoes. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold your breath and bear down. It's like- <laughs> yeah, like I'll catch myself. It's like I'm picking up my son who weighs like 18 pounds, and I'm like, "There we go. I'm going in. Tighten up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just at this point, we focus so much on like you know technique, or for, especially like for deadlifting and all the nuances and all the technical intricacies that go along with it. Like we don't have a problem doing that, but yet sometimes we're afraid to like p- freaking pick up our laundry basket. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, for for the sake of we're gonna, uh, you know strain something right oddly enough that's where all the freaking injuries happen i know right something stupid no it's true i've actually seen and read that many times you know that most of the injuries are not during the the lift themselves not that that never happens of course yeah yeah no (sighs) doubt you know from the bodybuilder side i would say you know if you really want to look like a meathead when you have somebody in your apartment or your house have supplement cans and bottles everywhere You know, it really helps make you look serious, you know, uh, adds to the mystique, you know, that sort of thing. I got one last one. Your grocery bill rivals and shadows every other bill you have. Like the single biggest expense. Like mortgage. (laughs) Your grocery bill bill is like your freaking mortgage. Yeah. (laughs) You know, again, truth behind a lot of this stuff, right? I mean, your food bills, we all know that. I mean, they're it's a real added expense when you're trying to like continually walk around 50 to 90 pounds bigger than mother nature might have planned for you yes you know it's, it's our costly it's amazing with with a pretty much we have a family of athletes you know the only one that's not yet is the only reason he isn't he's seven months old you know? <laughs> yeah. so that's the only reason he's not an athlete right he can't be yet right but, on <sighs> well i all i can say is this you know listeners if you're if you're interested in adding to this, because there's probably a ton of great things that we could think about, about what constitute, you know, so maybe advice for your brethren, you know. In fact, we should also think about the, the woman's perspective at this, too. Can you be a female meathead? I'd say, hell yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, but it might be, I, I hate to sound sexist, I wonder if it's more sophisticated, maybe, <laughs> than some of the meathead behaviors. Uh, maybe yeah, not. I think, I think maybe there's not. both. I think there's an extreme to both ends. You know, if you wanted to put it that way, hide it easier. You know, like, yeah, they can. like even with like the water and things, they can they, they can hide the water and food in their purse, and nobody knows. You know, we have to carry a cooler. Or a yeah, bag. it's true. There are some things. Yeah, <sighs> I got one. Like when you when you say well, you're hungry, you're gonna go grab a snack, which is a, uh, your snack. Like is an actual like full course meal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, eating huge amounts of food. Like, I would go get a snack, like a, a Chipotle burrito, it, you know, would be a snack. And some people are like, those are so huge. I can't believe you ate. And then they, <laughs> once I ate two of them, you know, yeah. and I mean, I don't do that all the time. They are pretty big. Uh, yeah. And the guy that I was interviewing for actually for a job, and I, I, I ate two of them. And he's looking at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's just funny because, you know, again, I think you learn big eating behaviors, even if you're not a very big person. Like we probably have lifters more like myself, you know, like I only weigh about 215 right now, but you get used to you can really knock back food, you know, mm-hmm. and it does. Sometimes it does become almost obnoxious to people around you because you're, you're like you'll go to a Robin. I used to go to uh, Bob Evans and we'd get three entrees, you know, so we order the third entree and the waitress is like, what are you guys? What's the matter with you two? You know? It's yeah, like, I, uh, that's funny you said that because I recently went to uh, this is probably about uh, I don't know right before Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving. I went to IHOP because there's an IHOP right down the street, and uh, when I ordered, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was IHOP, and um, and the, the 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 server comes out and she no, it wasn't IHOP, it was a um, it's a local breakfast place. But anyway, when I ordered. The server came out and delivered my food, and she goes, "Gosh, you know how to order, don't you?" Mm. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and it was like, I mean, I didn't think it was a lot of food. I mean, it was like a four egg omelet with you know veggies and stuff, and a bunch of like a French toast and some sausage on the side and some juice. I'm just like, I'm like, she's like, "Yeah, God, you know how to order, don't you?" <laughs> yeah, and to you, that's just a meal, you know. Right. It, 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 it's fun, right? I mean, it is fun. Being uh, someone who's interested in strength or muscle sports, let's face it, you're, we're always going to be a minority. Those are not oh, going to yeah. be mainstream kinds of sports. And so it's fun to be different, I think. And, and that's where a lot of this comes from, right? The meathead culture, like that one Smith and Stewart study I was mentioning, they were trying to get a handle on what are these, what do we find meritable? You know, what this meritocracy, what is the value system? Uh, and it is a subculture. It is different. You know, we've touched on some of this stuff before, but again, some of what's in the news and in these studies I found, they make it look so negative. And I think you can kind of have fun with it, revel in it a little bit. You know, the oh, big yeah. eats, you know, maybe you drive a big SUV or a big truck with big tires, or you wear a beard, or you ride a Harley, or you have, you know, there's so many things. In fact, some of this stuff is trickled into the gen pop, which almost, you almost find irritating. You know, yeah. like uh, it, once upon a time, tattoos were not for everybody. Now, tat everybody's got tats. I don't know. It just—it's it, almost a little irritating sometimes. You know, or people that are compensating. You know, they they try to pick up these yeah. meathead behaviors to compensate for something. I feel you were touching on that. You know, mm-hmm. um, because they started off, uh, with, I don't know, feeling inferior somehow, and they're desperately yeah. trying to fill a hole instead of just reveling in something, and being positive, and just rolling with it. You know, or even bragging about stuff. But again, keeping it in perspective, right? You got to laugh about these things. Yeah. So you got to we got to not leave the Olympic lifters out of it. And like you, you have endless snatch jokes. Oh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Snatch. You know, yeah. When you hear the word snatch, the first thing that comes to mind is lifting. Not well, you know. Right. So, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Actually, I'm not. I wouldn't be as familiar with a lot of the Olympic lifter kind of you know tropes and stereotypes, but the snatch jokes. Yeah, I've heard those. Yeah, we joke about it all the time at the gym. It's just like it's never ending. You're, we're never going to run out of run out of them. There's always yeah. new ones. Yeah, it's like it, it'll never end. So. You know, and they're insider jokes, right? Because the oh, average yeah. person be like, yeah. "Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's good." All, all right, right, guys. Yeah, well, we'll we'll catch up with everybody uh, next week. I think uh, Mike Nelson's going to be on. Um, yes. I, actually, I've got some lines in the water for a couple of cool guests coming up. I'm not going to announce them yet, but I, they bring their own fun topics. You know, some people say, "Well, how do you guys not?" I mean, we might revisit some things, but how do we not become too repetitive? And I think the way we do that is get guests with their own perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, so or news like today, some of the news. You know, yeah. cool stuff. Hi right, guys, catch you later. Uh, 
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, Knee sleeves, wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.